If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. We're the one for cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's kickstart the conversation. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. So many people tell me that I've got uh, big shoes to fill. Let me tell you, PJ wears high heels and I won't be wearing those. Good morning. Welcome to the Opinion Line here on Cork's 96 FM. This is uh, Paul Byrne filling in for PJ for the uh, the day, between now and midday. I've got uh, 50 pence. I've put it into the meter, so hopefully that will last us about three hours. Don't forget, you can get in touch with us, 0818 96 96 96. You can text uh, WhatsApp uh, to 083 396 96 96 or Email opinion at 96fm.ie. As I said, Paul Byrne here till midday. Hope you'll be nice to me. It's been a long time since I've been in uh, this radio station. The last time I was here, I think television was in black and white. But anyway, we'll get through. I'm looking forward to your company between now and midday. Uh, the lines are open. Give us a call. Talk to me about whatever you wish, whether it's uh, something to do with Christmas. What are you doing for Christmas? Are you looking to get your hands on some presents, whatever the case may be? And speaking of presents... There will be so much money spent in and around the city and county this year, but will it be spent locally? And that is what uh, people are hoping that you'll do this year, because uh, never before has it been so important for people to shop local. Remember, every time you purchase uh, something in a, a shop, you're helping to keep the doors open. You're helping to keep people in a, in a job. Uh, energy costs are going through the roof. Costs are soaring in general. And business, I suppose, has never been as tough for people um, in, in, right across the board. So this year, more than ever, it's very, very important to shop local. And one man behind the campaign is the uh, Lord Mayor, or the Mayor of County Cork, Councillor Danny Collins. Danny, good morning. How are you doing? Good morning to your listeners. Danny, good morning. Danny, why should we shop local? What's on offer? Because there's so much as well online. Well, like, you know, people have to take tick. The bigger picture, be honest, you know, your local shop is employing people. It's, you know, it's supporting um, towns, it's supporting sporting clubs, whether it's the local GA, rugby or soccer club. Like, these are these are things people just must 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 think of. Like, so, like, if you, if you go with these big online companies, you know, wherever they're based all over the world, like, 
then that one penny of the money you spend there comes back into your community afterwards. I was in uh, McCroom yesterday. We were filming uh, a piece for the uh, the news on um, the opening of the bypass this Friday. And of course, the, the traders down there are getting together. They're wrapping their arms around one another. They're dancing around with, with glee that the, 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 the bypass is about to open. And again, that's their big campaign. Come in and shop local. Population of uh, McCroom, around 4,000 people. The hinterland, they said if everyone spends about... 50 euro each, you know, that'll bring in excess of 200,000 euro alone in one day to the community. Yeah, well, you got to like that. That's basically just, they've done their sums and like, you know, they, they know how, how important it is to spend money in the community. And uh, like we have some great shops out there throughout, I've seen my travels out throughout the county, whether it's above in Fermoy or down in Kinsale or um, in, in Bantry or Skibreen, like a skull, you name it. We have to, what the best shops and like whether they're craft shops boutiques tie shops you name it the whole cock county has it like and like people must must take it at and at the end of the day there mightn't be much of a difference in price afterwards and like you know if you're thinking of keeping a, a job going in the local in the local we'd say the craft shop or the local um tie, tie store that's very important to think about as well and do you believe there are consequences if people don't shop local all massive consequences, and especially the times we're in at the moment. Like, you know, the cost of living has risen drastically, like, you know, electricity bills and fuel bills. Like, you know, so, like, we really, this Christmas, have to think think, think local. That's our, our motto with, uh, from Cork County Council. So I'll be asking the people out there, just spend that extra few pounds in your, lo- in your local town or village, wherever you come from, in the county. Danny, recently the council, uh, the county council voted for uh, a five percent increase in rates. Uh, that's going to make it extremely tough for business owners and store owners. That extra cost, will they be passing that on to the consumer? I want to. I just have to correct you there. It was only three point five percent. Sorry, beg your pardon. Three point. Okay, three. Did you three, vote in favour of a, 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 a rise in the rates? I, I, well, I did. Yes, you did. We, we, and we, that's that. You're, puni- you're punishing, uh, I, Danny. Can, you're punishing. Can I, can I, you're punishing the, um, the 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 business owner by doing so. Are you going to let me speak? Are, are you going to let me speak? Go. Um. We, um. What was uh, what was um what council wanted us to give give was a three point or uh, three point five percent um increase in rates for any business that were paying rates from two thousand euros up. We debated for four to five hours long. And we came to an agreement that businesses that only pay rates from seven thousand, like which really, we 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 left the smaller businesses out, out of it, and 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 what you call it, we we thought about what you call it that we did we had a de- deficit over of over a million euros uh, in our budget, we had to bring it back from somewhere, other councils throughout the county, excuse me, we're doing the same, but we only hit the businesses from that pay rates from seven thousand. So, like the smaller businesses, we thought of, and like, I'll be quite honest, the reaction I have got throughout the county from um, businesses has, but they, they understand, like everything is is flying up, every like, uh, and our our cost of uh, our energy costs, inflation, everything, like so, we had to make a deficit of one point two million in our budget. We we hit the businesses that for that only pay seven thousand. Not the businesses that pay from from one or two thousand up 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 to other rates. Yeah, but I mean, somebody who's paying seven thousand euro or whatever, that three point five percent has to be found somewhere. I mean, could you not have let it go for another year or two, given the circumstances okay. we're in at the moment? 
we, we like Cockney Council is a business as well, like you must think of Paul. And basically, um, we what you call it for a business that pays ten thousand rates, ten thousand euros rates. This will only have an impact of about two euros a week, and like if you know, it's it's small. In, in in the big in the in the, in the scheme of things, things that I, okay well, yeah, yeah. scheme of things but like what you call like we 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 like we didn't want to hit the smaller smaller shops we say whether you have a small little craft shop in some town or village or whether you have a, a boutique in, in or a hair, small hairdresser we didn't want to hit them it's the, the, what you call it we 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 thought about it with just five five hours of hard debating we we recessed and we came back and this is the best we could come up with danny have you ever purchased online have i ever purchased online i think i did during lockdown i'll tell you straight i think i did during lockdown but normally i buy whether it's my clothes my presents i i buy them locally i buy them either here in bantry where i'm from or um, maybe Maybe Skibreen or Skull or different towns throughout West Cork. But um, I, I normally buy everything. My clothes, everything I, I could say nearly I wear every day is, is bought in, in, in shops, shops local. Okay, okay. Well, listen, thanks for taking the call and we wish you and everybody in the county the very best of luck over the, the festive season. And again, that message is simple. Buy local. Buy local and think local. That's what we're, we're putting out the word for. Councillor Danny Collins, Mayor of County Cork, many, many thanks for taking the call. Um, we're going to Paul Street, I think it is, and um, Pinocchio's, one of the most colourful shops in Cork City. It's there for many, many years. Every time I pass it, uh, I just stop and look in the window in amazement. It's, it's, it's a magnificent display. And um, Wynan, good morning phone lines are open on 0818 96 96 96 so you can text or WhatsApp to 083 396 96 96 or email opinion at 96fm.ie uh, Apologies for the break in transmissions you may have uh, remember at the start of the programme I said I put 50 pence in the metre, maybe I should have put a fiver because of the uh, soaring energy costs but uh, we're back in business and we're going down to Paul Street and uh, Wyan, good morning Good morning, Paul. How are you? Pinocchio's Toy Shop, one of the most colourful shops in town. Absolutely beautiful. How's business? Uh, it has been very good. Like, there's, there's still, since the pandemic has done one great thing for people, for small retail, it's made people realise that they don't want to lose it. You know? Um, so there's a positive out of the good. pandemic. There's a very positive out of the pandemic, from that point of view. Yeah. But, you know, support local. I mean... Brexit has had a little positive for everybody as well because it's sort of killed off the people buying Amazon from the UK, which has been good. Um, but I, no, it's I, been I, very I, good. I absolutely love your shop, okay? And I think everybody in Cork does. Um, but getting in and out of the city has become more and more difficult. Um, it's just, it's. A, I hate saying it, but it's a nightmare. And I am so proud to be from Cork and I love to support local where and when possible. Um, I, I just... I, I dread coming into the city at the moment. It has been, well, from our side, on the east side, it has been absolutely awful. Now, I have to say, since the Keys is more or less finished now, that has improved dramatically. You know, a huge amount had to do with one lane on the Keys, and, you know, you've got all of Dublin, Wick, Waterford, Wexford traffic coming in along the Keys that's <laughs> that's down to one lane, you know, which is a joke. Why they did it in October, I just, October, November, I don't know, but anyway. 
And they're, Done the people, now. they're the people with the, the, the degrees. Tell me, what is the CBA, the Cork Business Association, doing for you? What are they doing to fight your corner? I think, I mean, I, I'm not sure exactly what they can do, to be fair to them. Um, I'm not sure who made the decision that October was a good idea. I mean, I appreciate they didn't probably didn't want to dig it up over the whole summer, though as far as I can see, they were digging a lot of the summer. But... Um, but I'm not sure what would have been wrong with January, February, March when it's retail quiet, in the city yeah. is quiet. Well, you know, um, can you explain to me, if I come up Merchant's Quay at the moment, uh, I can't swing right onto Patrick's Bridge. Uh, I go down and I can't swing right onto Christie Ringbridge. So I'm either forced down, turn left up Academy Street or go back down and find my way up through North Main Street. But even if you turn down Academy Street, where do you go? I mean, technically, you can't go on to Patrick Street after half past three. Uh, therefore, you have to turn left onto Emmett Place, which either brings you back onto Patrick Street or down Perry Street, back onto the Keys, where you have to turn left. I think so a jigsaw I, would be easier to solve, honestly, wouldn't it? So I, I, I don't, that's, one, that's my particular one that I don't get, because if you're collecting stuff from our shop or from anyone on Paul Street, where, where exactly do you go if you want to go to the east? You know, do you stay in the city centre wandering around for half an hour pumping out your fumes? I, I don't know. Do you ask yourself at times, why am I staying in business? Why am I paying rates? And I know, <laughs> you, honest, I yeah. I know, and I know you love your business, but honestly, do you go up home at night, lie down there, say, Christ, what am I doing? I do, I do sometimes. I do, I do wonder sometimes if, if people really want the city to survive. You know, I mean, even at the moment, if you look at, if you look at all these offices, all these offices do nothing for business in the city centre because those people don't live in the city centre. Yes, but at lunchtime, shouldn't they be walking around the city and uh, passing uh, no, the store? No, because they don't really. They don't like like they don't move further than the, than the river. Really, I mean, they, you know, they tend to stay on one side of the river or the other side of the river. So offices on our side will probably stay on our side. Offices on that side will stay on that side. But to be honest, they don't walk further than the food area <laughs> because you only have half an hour or an hour for lunch. You're not really going to wander around shopping. What? You know? How long are you in business now, uh, Wayne? Uh, it'll be 40 years next year. Well, 40. not me personally, because the shop the shop was originally started by a Dutch woman in 83. Yeah. But, but so we didn't buy until how, how long? How long are you the boss man, we'll say? How long are you paying uh, the bills? 30, 31 years. 31 years. Give me an example, say for Agnes' sake, your outgoings last year compared to five years ago. Average, roughly. <laughs> Well, like for us, we've been lucky because our landlord has been quite decent. So we haven't seen, yeah, I mean, we pay six times the rent now that we did when we bought the shop. But, mm -hmm. but relatively speaking, that's quite good. Um, in general, output, uh, in general, costs have gone up considerably. But we're also lucky because the electricity cost for us isn't a, isn't a vast amount because we're talking LED lights on everything and a limited amount of heating overnight. Um, so we have no, you know, we have no twenty-four hour fridges yeah. or stuff. So it, you know, for small, retailers, small is beautiful. So at the moment, really, oh, I think so. Small is beautiful, and I think for from a retail, small is beautiful. I mean, small retail offers a service that the big guys just can't even. They can't. They can't do. I mean, they can't justify it. They can't do. What about the three and a half percent rise in rates? Uh, Danny Collins, the mayor of Cork, was saying it'll only work out at about two quid a week. But I mean, all those twos add up. All those twos add up, you know, uh, and twos add up as an extra cost on top of. And like, you can only pass 
so much cost onto customers. You 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 have to absorb some of it. You know, I mean, we've done that in the past where you know they've decreased the the, the VAT rate or re increased the VAT rate, and obviously you don't put your prices back up by two percent. You know, if something is four ninety five, then they're not suddenly going to make it five oh five just to take care of the two percent. You know. <laughs> The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. And good morning. Welcome to the second hour of the program. This is uh, Paul Byrne. We got through the first hour. We'll say a decade of the rosary now that everything will go right for the next hour. I want to talk to Amy Brown. And Amy, good morning to you. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. How are you feeling today? Oh, I'm not great, to be honest. Today, the symptoms are fairly kind of troublesome today, but I'm just going to do my best to get through this now without getting sick. You're grand. Tell our listeners what's what's wrong with you. I have a condition called endometriosis and it's a systemic inflammatory condition. And so it causes debilitating pain. It can cause infertility. It can cause a whole wide range of symptoms. And like that, I never know how I'm going to be from one day to the next. It's quite variant. When did it start? Um, It started when I was eight years old. I had three hospitalizations between eight and 11 and I didn't get my first period until I was 11. So I'm quite unusual in the fact that I presented prior to the first periods. And have you had pain since you were eight years of age? Yeah. Yeah. So the symptoms since then would have been like fainting. It would have been pelvic pain. It would have been like severe vomiting. I still to this day, I'm very, very nauseous. It's like I've had years of morning sickness. And what has it done to you besides physically? What about your mental health? How how does that put a strain on it? Oh, my mental health was in the bin for many, many, many years because you're constantly trying to seek support and to, to seek help, I suppose, to manage a life of pain. And you're kind of constantly being met with, oh, well, maybe it's all in your head or maybe it's not really that bad. And maybe you're wearing your depression. <laughs> Some women are told that, that it's a physical manifestation of their mental health. So it's 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 horrendous. Like. And... Are you married now at this stage or what is your situation? No, I'm single. I'm okay. single. Do you want to have children? Yeah, I do. Yeah, of course. One day. I don't want to. I have another condition called adenomyosis and the only cure for that one is hysterectomy. And I was in Romania three years ago for a surgery for endometriosis. And that's when they diagnosed me with adeno. And I was grateful that I could take another step prior to having a hysterectomy to alleviate the pain for this because I do want to have my own kids one day. I want to be able to try at least. So really a, a double whammy for you really, isn't it? It is. And like, it's it's very difficult in terms of, I suppose, your self-worth. We place a lot of emphasis on, on the reproductive system. Mm-hmm. And, you know, women do feel quite inadequate when, when it turns out they do have issues and they can't. So 
I suppose my main focus is to to build my self-esteem and to let myself know that if it's a case that it doesn't happen, it doesn't make me less of a person. Of course not. Of course not. And are you in a relationship? No, and I haven't been for a couple of years. I'm far too busy with my activism and advocacy and college and caring for my parents and working. I've... I haven't got very much time, to be honest, to put into that. And what is the level of support for people with your condition? Well, the women I've spoken to would say it's non-existent, to be honest, because like, there's no mental health support. <clears throat> there's, I think, a minimum of at least two to three years waiting lists to see Gyne, like it's there's no there's no emphasis on supporting us and there's no prioritizing you know the quality of life or the, like the amount of women that I've spoken to who've tried to access disability allowance and have been turned down every single time and I, I personally don't understand that when it is a chronic condition it affects every single aspect of a person's life and I honestly don't know how mothers do it. People who already have kids mm. who are in that debilitating pain 24-7, I don't know how they're able to be a mother and not have adequate financial or mental health or physical health supports. How many women roughly are suffering from or have the condition endometriosis in Ireland? In Ireland, the statistic is 1 in 10. In the America, I think it's, it's become 1 in 9. Mm -hmm. So I do think it's going to get... Um, more as we do more research there's not enough research available at the moment you see and if the research was done do you think that the um, those in power will say our officials would pay more attention to it well to be fair they, they've been saying they're paying attention to it and throwing money at it and stuff and claiming that they have a new centre of excellence but they're claiming they have a multidisciplinary centre but it's not a multidisciplinary surgical centre so if if your if your disease presents on more than one organ, you need a multidisciplinary team to surgically effectively remove that disease from every organ, and we don't have that here. That's why I'm going to Romania again. I'll be there in two weeks for another surgery to remove it from my diaphragm because I have nobody in Ireland to remove it from the diaphragm. So we need the focus for government officials needs to be on educating kids in schools, especially young girls and also like emphasizing the speciality training needed for endometriosis the condition has been so painful and so um the effects it's having on you that you turned to somebody and you know cannabis you started talking about cannabis Actually, it happened in the reverse. I, I was using cannabis before I knew it was actually medically impacting me, like in a, in a positive way. I just assumed everybody felt better when they consumed cannabis. So were you and smoking it, cannabis not thinking that this was going to improve your condition? Were you just, can I ask you, were you just a, a cannabis smoker? A rec yeah, a recreational user I would have considered myself. I had no idea the medical benefits it was having. I was, un I was unaware of that until my mid-twenties, and that's when I started making the connection. So, I, like that, I just assumed and everybody felt better when they consumed cannabis. I had no idea the specific. Okay, and when did you, what age were you when you started taking, uh, when you started smoking cannabis? I was 15. 15. And how soon after that were, did you notice an improvement in your condition? 
I I suppose it wasn't the condition that I noticed it in as such. It was my everyday general well-being. And then it was my, as I said, into my mid-20s. Sure, I didn't even get diagnosed with my condition until I was 21. So I was unaware that I had something going mm-hmm. on even in me. T- even though I was in pain and stuff, I was told this is normal. I had normalized that, that pain, that heavy p- periods and stuff. And like I said, then it was my mid-20s when I had the diagnosis and I started looking into research. That's when I stumbled across the endocannabinoid system and how every person has one and how different strains of the cannabis plant interacts with different endocannabinoid systems and alleviates symptoms in different ways for different people. And that's when the door opened for me in terms of like proper medical research that I looked into. Then I realized there was women all over the world getting prescribed mm-hmm. cannabis for endometriosis. And yet I was being criminalized in Ireland. But today, you appear to be the first person in Ireland to receive a ministerial license for cannabis. It's an actual, it's being prescribed. I mean, are you going down out to your local pharmacy to say, uh, give me a 10 spot of cannabis? And I say that, I don't mean <laughs> to be flippant on it, but you know yourself. Are you going to the chemist no. and saying, I, I, want, uh, I want some draws? No, 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 no. It's far from that. I wish it was that easy, to be honest. I wish it was a, a social club setting that I could go into, but no. The the thing is, so my my pain consultant had to apply for a ministerial license to prescribe cannabis to me. So he had to do that via the Minister for Health. Once they sign off on the application, he gets the license, he writes out the prescription, he sends it to me. I upload the prescription to the Transvaal Pharmacy in the Netherlands, they process it on their end, send me the invoice. Once I clear the invoice, they're happy to release the product. And then the government sends somebody to collect it from the Netherlands, bring it back to Ireland and deliver it to my hall door. So they, they can't actually post it in a parcel to uh, Amy Brown in Tipperary? Well, they are. Doing, they're posting it, but via a DPD driver or a DHL driver. And... The, the quantity of cannabis you're smoking every week. I mean, give us an example. Well, I can only afford, I suppose, 100 euros a week. So that gets me only seven grams on the unregulated market. But then I suppose I have the flour, but then I also use THC capsules. I use vapes and I use edibles because it depends on the symptoms that arise on the day. Sometimes the, the hit of the vape or the joint is just not effective enough and I do need an edible. Amy, and this might sound strange, but are you becoming hooked on cannabis? I mean, um, are, are you going, and somebody say she's going her own stone out of her head. Well, it's been 15 years now at this stage and nobody has had any issues with my my work life, my education. You know, like there's even studies out there to support that cannabis helps with psychosocial development. Do you know, and some people may say I have a dependency on it, and mm. I do, because if I don't consume it, I'm going to be in debilitating chronic pain. So would you say that to somebody with paracetamol? No, I, 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 I was just going to say that. I mean? mean, so if somebody is on antidepressants or paracetamol or they're on such and such a, a, a drug for a condition, you're just the same as them. You just need this. Absolutely. And let me tell you, when I was on the likes of amitriptyline and all those other kind of awful drugs, particularly the opioids as well, I was a zombie. I wasn't present in my life. I wasn't able to show up for my parents who I look after. Mm-hmm. Like I, I was completely isolated from, from reality when I was on all those horrible medications. So at least now I'm present. And like that, it's been 15 years and I'm fine. <laughs> the world is not falling in around me. Like, you know, it's, it's been my only consistency, especially through the dark kind of depressions when I have been very suicidal. Cannabis has been the only thing that really got me through.
And would you be afraid in any way that um, cannabis might be a gateway drug for something else for you? That the, the, it mightn't be strong enough after a while and that you might start looking for an ecstasy tablet or a line of coke? Like I said, it's been 15 years. And if I haven't yet, I, I, like, I, I don't like this gateway theory. I feel like everybody has free agency. And I know people who started out on ecstasy who has never had a cannabis in their mm-hmm. life. You know, so that gateway theory to me personally is nonsense because I'm living proof that that cannot, it can be the case and it cannot be the case. So Mm. I don't think we should apply that theory to everyone. What's your message now to the policy makers, the Minister for Health in relation to other women with your condition? I mean, is it licensed for one, licensed for all? Well, to me, it should be. I don't understand this magical barrier where we can criminalise one person and allow it for the, for another person. That, to me, makes no sense. The fact that I was diagnosed when I was 21 and it took me nine years to get recognised legally for cannabis, that meant I was a patient running the risk of a jail sentence for all those years, even though I had a diagnosis. So I think my call on policymakers is definitely to support Gino Kenny's decriminalisation bill because that's definitely going to support patients in the long run. And I also believe that we need to widen the MCAP program, include chronic pain, stop putting the onus on patients to jump through these thousand hoops and respect our right to bodily autonomy. If we choose to use cannabis and that's our decision, then let, let us be, you know, it's, it's our, we're the ones that have to live in the shoes of chronic pain every day. We should be the ones to choose how we, we medicate. How come you've been the one to get the license and Mary next door to you hasn't? Apparently I, I'm tenacious and I'm determined and I won't stop, I won't take no for an answer I won't shy away from authority and I won't fear my own authenticity like I'm I, like, there's so many women out there terrified to even admit that they consume cannabis whereas I was never bound by that fear I don't know why what's in me but I think maybe I'm just a rebel, I don't know <laughs> Um, are you in a good place now, pain-wise, uh, mental health-wise? Mental health-wise, I'm in the best place I could ever be in because I've been taken seriously and, you know, it's really empowering to be to be validated, I suppose, in that way. But physically, I'm not doing very well and I'm fundraising to go back to Romania. I'll be there in two weeks' time to have another surgery. So I'll be gone for Christmas, but sacrificing one Christmas for hopefully a future of much more manageable pain is going to be worth it. All right. Listen, Amy, thank you so much for taking the call. Uh, I know you're a Dublin woman living in Tipperary, but uh, I know that by talking this morning, I suppose you've helped a lot of ladies, uh, women with endometriosis. Um, and if they want to get in touch with you, is there a, a helpline or a, a website or anything like that? There, I operate mainly from my Instagram in terms of advocacy and one-to-one support. So it's endo with Amy underscore blog and Amy is A-I-M-E-E. Okay, give us that again, Amy. It's endo, E-N-D-O with W-I-T-H. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million parents and kids building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. That's greenlight.com slash ACAST. Amy, A-I-M-E-E, and then underscore blog, B-L-O-G. All right. Amy, thank you very much for taking Thanks the Thanks a million. Thank you. And good morning. Welcome back. This is Paul Byrne filling in for PJ Coogan. Now, we're staying on the topic of uh, cannabis. And I've seen our next caller in and around Cork and on social media smoking um, spliffs, uh, rolling joints of cannabis uh, outside. No, he brought some into Anglesey Street Garda Station, little cannabis plant. And he also rolled up and smoked cannabis outside the district court in Anglesey Street here in Cork. Martin what's your beef like what's the circus about well my, my beef is that I'd kindly life left to be like to live my life and not be regarded as a criminal for a plant that I use that brings benefit to my life much like Amy I've experienced the benefits of cannabis too and I don't need the government to be telling me what's good for me and what's not good for me I can quite well make that decision myself and what's your condition that you need to smoke cannabis to improve your health Currently, I suffer with epilepsy, and um, <clears throat> it was wasn't under control for a while. But we've managed to get it under control now, and I've been using cannabis uh, primarily to, to to do that. Um, but I've been doing it on, in an unregulated way. Unlike Amy, I've been uh, unfortunate enough that I, I haven't gotten a ministerial license. As there's a lot of stigma um, and dogma there within the the health field. My, my consultant, um, I won't name any names, but. Their clinic has said they refuse outright to prescribe cannabis as they don't uh, believe in it, as there's not enough studies there to be done with it. But again, we, we, <clears throat> we can get into the complexities as to why there isn't that many studies on it, and that's because of the prohibition of cannabis. The prohibition of cannabis has stifled studies over the last uh, number of decades, and this is why we're in a situation today where we're vastly in the dark about a medicine that was widely available about 100 years ago, do you believe it's an addictive drug? Um, I, I believe, like most things, can be addictive. I believe gambling can be addictive. Jeez, I, I think people can abuse cheeseburgers and ice cream. Um, but it, it, addictiveness, I believe, is uh, a lot of the time it's down to the individual. I, I know there is substance out there that do have real addictions um, and real, real withdrawals, um, but cannabis is not one of those. Uh, if you get addicted to cannabis, it's more likely it's a psychological addiction um, where that you, you're enjoying it, much like an addiction to soccer or going to the gym. It's something that you enjoy and you keep, keep going back to because it, it, you benefit from it. You enjoy it, you know? By taking a cannabis plant into Anglesey Street Garda Station here in Cork and um, yep. then lighting a joint outside the courthouse in Anglesey Street again, what... <coughs> 
do you hope to achieve by that? I mean, can you not do something behind closed doors and make your efforts uh, known to the minister that you would like to see it legalised? Do you really have to go out there and, uh, you know, do, do what you're doing the way you're doing it? I certainly do, and uh, the reason I do is because we, we've been doing it behind closed doors. We've been engaging quietly and uh, civilly with, with the politicians, the policymakers, for a long time. That The founder of Mad Pride Ireland, John McCarthy, may he rest in peace, he, he was a medical cannabis patient, and, and I witnessed him speak and testify to the benefits of cannabis outside of the John Bishop Lucy Park uh, inside in the city. Um, and he said passed away and does not being respected as a patient who could get legal access to it and instead he had to, to go to the black market and act like a criminal and, and hide. I don't believe in hiding. I, I don't see anything wrong with what I'm doing. I see much more wrong with the policies that prevent access to cannabis as a medicine. But yes, you just mentioned the word medicine. Should it only be prescribed as a medicine? I mean, if it's legalised, does that, does that mean that every Tom, Dick and Harry is going to be going around with um, a bag of weed in their, in their pocket? Well, if it's legalised, then consenting adults should be allowed to, to walk in and buy cannabis if they so see fit. When it comes to medical cannabis, <clears throat> there needs to be a clear dis- distinction or differentiation. I was just going to say, you describe in a nutshell for me, what's the difference between a bag of cannabis that a fellow will smoke who doesn't have a, an underlying condition and a guy who has a bag of cannabis and who has an underlying condition? I mean, cannabis is cannabis, isn't it? Cannabis is cannabis, but medicine comes in all different forms. So you look at Ava Barry out there, whose mother fought long and hard battle, a very tough battle, I have to say, um, to get her daughter access to cannabis. Now, Ava's not out there grinding up cannabis, putting it into a bong or rolling it up in a spliff, as you like to call it, and smoking it. Ava's taking it in an oil, a consistent oil that, that's therapeutically, um, or that's, that's derived under strict standards to, to ensure a high therapeutic quality for, for the patient. She gets a consistent dose, delivers sublingually via the mouth. She doesn't smoke anything. So cannabis comes in all different forms. So I, I think even the conversation, I, I listened earlier, and um, there seems to be a lot of stigma coming even from yourself. And I, I don't mind that because um, you're coming at it from a prohibitionist mindset. You, you were asking Amy, is she addicted? So I thought that was very disrespectful to be asking a patient, are they addicted to their medicine? Um, and this by and large could be from people the prohibition. Become, people do become hooked on prescription drugs. Oh, they, they certainly do. Um, so what's wrong with asking that question? Because you, you wouldn't really ask it to a pain patient who was in front of you taking uh, pain medication. You really wouldn't, unless that person was in front of you displaying qualities that, that would suggest that they were. Now, there was nothing from that conversation with Amy that displayed any qualities of addiction. She was holding, uh, meeting all of the, the um, her, her, her social uh, outcomes. She was mm-hmm. uh, going, going to college, going to work, uh, keeping relationships with friends and family. There was nothing there to, uh, to suggest that she was addicted. She wasn't robbing. She, she, she wasn't uh, downbeating. You know, th- there was none of those things that come with uh, the, the, with addiction. the, the bad addiction. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me, as long as it's not available on prescription, where are you getting your stuff? Yeah, much like Amy was before, I've, I've to resort to, to getting it illegally. Um, I, I'm lucky enough that I know people who grow cannabis and they can get it. Um, but, but I have to say... Um, Amy um, mentioned, I was talking with Amy last night, and there, there was a man shot in Dublin yesterday, Cormac Berkeley, aged 34, he was shot outside his home. Amy actually uh, alluded to me that she met that man before and bought cannabis off him, um, and she brought that cannabis back to him as it was very poor quality cannabis. Now Amy was frightened last night when she was saying this, because she was like, what if I went back there and that gunman was there to meet that fella and I got caught in the crossfire? 
and, and this is the reality that's put on patients because of cannabis prohibition. You, you go over to America and you walk into uh, any of the stores where cannabis is sold from a regulated retailer, you don't run that same risk that you run here in Ireland where you could be caught up in the crossfire of uh, drug feuds that are going on because of prohibition, not because of drugs. Like, really, these, these drug sh- feuds should be called prohibition feuds. And you, you beat me to it, because that's what I was going to mention to you, uh, because every time you buy, um, we'll say, a bag of cannabis, or um, you're helping to line the pockets of major drug dealers, and people are being taken out, people are being executed morning, noon, and night, here in Ireland, those caught up in the drugs trade. You're helping to, to keep that... Um, drugs trade alive by se- by buying these drugs. So do yeah, you think I'm, if it was prescribed that we would have lef- less uh, gang warfare? I definitely. I think if it was legalised, uh, we, we would see a lot less, lot less gang warfare. If, if we were to only allow medical cannabis access and not legalise it, then I think that the black market will persist. And I think that the medical cannabis... Um, Avenue, I think that would, that would be abused by people who just want to get access to legal cannabis. I think if we just legalize it, the patients who really need it as medical reasons will get access to the medical route. And those who want it for therapeutic reasons, maybe they just want to sleep easier at night or just want something to enjoy to unwind after a tough day at work. Okay, they, so they'll if go they, to regular If they legalize cannabis, are we then going to look at them talking about, oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm on the cannabis now for the last two years. Um, it's not doing as you know, it's not as good as it once was. Is there any possibility you could uh, legalise ecstasy or cocaine? Are we going to go down that road? Well, there, there's not an end cannabis that makes you want ecstasy or cocaine. Again, this is part of the stigma that, oh, well, you use one drug, you must use all drugs. That 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 couldn't be any further from the truth. If, if you want to use ecstasy, it's because you're probably going to a rave or a music festival of some sort. If you want to use cocaine, it's probably because you're drinking alcohol, not smoking cannabis. <laughs> do, you have to, do, you, do you think so if you're going to a music festival? Uh, do you have to take an ecstasy tablet to enjoy the festival? No, not, a, not at all. Not at all. But there's some people out there who will enjoy it a lot more if they do. Um, and there's plenty of people who will enjoy it sober of mind and they might even have a drink during the festival too. Um, but to each their own. I, again, I, I don't think we need the government to be dictating what we should and shouldn't be doing. Again, alcohol is legal and not everybody drinks. How far are we away from having it legalised in this country, do you think, if ever? Uh, I think we're a lot closer than we ever have been before. I really look forward to the Citizens' Assembly, which is coming up early next year, as I believe that that will really pave the way for progressive change here in Ireland. And I, I believe it will be a change that will help a lot, a lot of vulnerable people who we, we are just just uh, shedding the way, thrown away into the darkness at the moment. Like the supervised injection centre fiasco that's gone on up in Dublin. Oh my God, that breaks my heart. How we treat these people, these vulnerable, vulnerable people out there. Why? What's wrong with the injection centre? We see some people here campaigning for it. There, there was. Uh, it was supposed to go ahead in 2017. Yeah. It was approved. Five years later, we're, we're nowhere closer to it because of objections being put in at, at the planning stage. Um, one of the latest objectors was uh, a school that was nearby. I believe it was a private school. Um, but the, the problem is these objections, all they do is they keep the problem on the street. They're, they're saying, oh, we don't want to learn uh, the, the, the not in my backyard, yeah. the, the nimbyism. Um, but the thing is, it's already there. It's just there in, in, a, in, a, in a more 
dangerous form. It's on the street. Uh, needles are being discarded everywhere. I was only walking down North Main Street the other day again, and, I, and I've seen a discarded needle. Um, we, we really need to, to grab the bull by the horns here now and, and make change because the, this um, kicking the can down the road, all, all it's doing is costing us lives and vulnerable lives at that. Martin, finally, before we leave you go, um, how many convictions have you wrapped up, are not, uh, racked up for possession yeah. of cannabis? And when yeah. you're back in court... Yeah, well, I, I had nine donations to the court charity box, if you call it that, before I ever received a conviction for my personal possession of cannabis. I, I know today that I believe of uh, five convictions for personal possession, and I'm back in court uh, for an appeal of a two-month sentence on the 13th, and that was for a CBD joint I handed into the, uh, the guard station in Dungarvan as part of a protest in support of the business down there who sell these products to the, uh, to the local um area and who have many customers that are actually kids with uh, conditions such as ADHD whose parents come in and purchase some of the CBD oil there um, and benefit greatly from it. Martin, thanks for taking the call. Uh, Food for thought, some will say you're on the right road, others will say you know, you're talking through your backside, whatever. But um, look, it's been very, very interesting to talk to you because, as I said, I, I've seen you on social media, uh, your your efforts to get into Anglesey Street with uh, plants and smoking yeah. on, on the street. But look, each to their own, and thank you. Thanks very much, Paul. Good luck, good luck. Uh, we're staying on smoking, but um, of a different type. Anna, good morning. Good morning. How are you? <coughs> I'm good, thank God. You're no, no issues. You're, you're not caught up there in a cloud of smoke from vapor. No, no, definitely not. But I'll tell you now, it is an old lady that lives next to me and used to enjoy being gone, just gone back to it after the COVID spell. And uh, she said the vaporing is so bad that is affecting her. She obviously has a bit of a smoke allergy, but nothing as bad as I had. And I could understand for her because um, before the smoking ban came in, for instance, uh, well, well, first of all, I'd put it out to the, the, the listeners there to be mindful of that, that there's people with terrible smoke allergies, sprays, you know, anything like that that they, can, they can't um, tolerate. But before the smoking ban came in, my life was hell. I'd have to turn down social occasions or anything. And uh, if I was sitting next to somebody, you know, that was smoking, I, I, my day was just finished to go into a full-blown chest infection that n- nothing could touch. So I had to decline offers to so many weddings and all sorts of dinners and everything. But to tell you a, sh- a small story, one day I was at a, at a wedding to give the listeners an idea of what mm-hmm. smoke allergy is like. And um, I didn't know the fellow next to me. And the next thing, he lit up a cigarette, and we were making small talk, and he had it in his left hand, and I was on the left-hand side of him, and the smoke was blowing into my face. So uh, that was all right. That was before the meal ever started. And in between each section of the meal, then he lit up again. So in the end, um, Joe, my husband, said, um, you know, Anna, we'll change places there. And he never said a bit, and I'd introduced him to this chap. And the chap says, what was that all about? Is there a smell off me? And uh, Joe said, you know, he said, but Anna has a smoke allergy, no issue. He said, you know, it won't be as bad when she'll be a little bit away from you. But every time he lit up a cigarette and it was the same thing, he'd give me vicious looks. So towards the end of the evening, anyway, I was chatting to somebody and along he came with a good sub taken. And he says, um, oh, here's the woman that tried to stop me smoking today. So I said, I'm sorry. I said, I never opened my mouth. We just changed places because I have an issue with it. Oh, the likes of you and on and on it went. So 
People that didn't understand uh, smoke allergies would try to think you were stopping them smoking. So I had to pity my heart for this poor woman when she said she cannot go to bingo now because of the vaping that has got so bad and is affecting and they're, they're her. allowing the vaping indoors, so are they? At it the, seems the so, yes, yes, indeed, yeah. yes. I mean, I, I've seen people vote vaping. It's, it's, it's like a, an exhaust pipe, the smoke coming out, the, the amount of food. That's right, yeah. But, like, uh, when the weekends would come and my good husband would be going for a few pints in the summertime with the neighbour next door, they'd walk to the pub and, you know, walk back unless it was raining. But the winter time, I would drop them down. I couldn't go for a social drink with them. I had to stay at home and trust the the year of the, um, you know, the emailing wasn't there. I'd be writing letters to all people or phoning or whatever, you know, the emailing wasn't there at the time or whatever. And uh, if, if it was raining, I'd go to meet them. So that's what I had to, you know, endure because of the smoke allergy. So what must it have been like for people behind the bar that had no choice if that oh, was yeah. their job in life, you know. So that's the one good thing Michal Martin did. I'm an apolitical person and... Um, I, I agree with you, and I have said it to me, Hall. I think the only thing yeah. any politician in this country has done was the smoking ban. So band. before he leaves us as Taoiseach, it has taken me all these years to pluck up the courage, and this woman brought it home to me now with the, the vaporing at the bingo. And I say a big, huge thank you to me, Hall Martin, because he has saved countless thousands of lives. Now to mind, you know, all the... The um, throwback here saved thousands, millions, I suppose, of the health boards uh, around the, the country. So I would say he did a powerful job and he didn't get much recognition for it because if he were a smoker, I could understand that 100%. They, were, they weren't very happy with him, you know, I with mean, the smoking you're, ban. You're, you're seen as a pariah, you know, I think, in a lot of places if you smoke. That's it, absolutely, yeah. But it has made such a difference to my life and to my poor husband's life, you know, that we can go anywhere now and we, we don't have to be asking people, would you put us next to somebody who isn't smoking? You have just no idea how it affected our lives. There was we, probably one good thing came out of the smoking ban for a number of people because when they had to go outside the door of the bar, yeah. lots and lots of couples have met up and got together. Well, there is <laughs> that is like Cilla Black, he's a matchmaker. That's true, absolutely, yeah, yeah. But it, it it has just saved countless thousands of lives, you know, not alone from chest and lung cancer and all that, but the effect it had on circulation and, and it could go on and on and on and on. And is it so, time to ban vapes indoors? I would say for uh, this poor woman now, you know, she, she wouldn't be, you know, that's the only place she would go with bingo. And when I heard her saying that, I said, I'll have to pluck up courage and try and go on the air and, and mention it, that people might be mindful of that. And she's an older lady. She can socialize in a lot of other areas. It would be wonderful, you know, if it was cut back on it would. All right. You know. Anna, thank you so much for taking time to call us. Thank you so much indeed for taking my call. I think I'll go and make a cup of coffee. I'm so nervous. <laughs> Thank you very much and a very happy Christmas to you. Many happy returns. And to all the listeners. God bless. God bless you, Anna. Well, you've heard the uh, saying, do the crime, do the time. But uh, recently we found out that out of 638 people on probation in Cork in 2018, 215 of them reoffended with one within a year. I'll give you that again. 638 people on probation in Cork. That was in the year 2018. Out of that number, out of the 638, 215 reoffended within one year. So, 
is prison a good thing or a bad thing? Are there other ways to um, punish people for doing the crime? I'm talking to a man who has spent quite a considerable amount of time in prison. John, good morning. Good morning. Welcome back to the programme. This is Paul Byrne. Now, before the break, we were talking about people on probation from uh, Cork. And in 2018, from a number of 638 people who were on probation, 215, 215 reoffended within one year. John, good morning. You're on line six. Hey, uh, good morning, Paul. How are you? John, before we tell people who you are, you have spent quite a considerable amount of time in Mount Joy. How many years? I spent 22 years there as governor, yeah. As governor. John, when you hear the figure, 215 people reoffending out of 638, what are your thoughts? My thoughts are that um, I, I, I think 64% didn't reoffend, and I think 64% uh, uh, is a very, very uh, significant and impressive figure for people put under probation. Uh, under the supervision of the probation service, it means that they don't, they're not, it's an alternative to be sent to prison. Mm-hmm. Prison has, uh, has serious consequences for the person's long-term future. It removes them from society and means it removes them from earning a living and supporting a family if they have a family. Uh, and the consequences for them after prison uh, is very significant. So I would be looking at it on the other side. I'd be looking at it as a very positive indicator that probation works for a big number of people. Uh, of course, it doesn't, it's not 100% satisfactory, but no system is 100% satisfactory. It's also very cheap. Uh, one probation officer can supervise maybe up to maybe 20 people or more uh, in the community. Uh, it costs 70 to 80,000 per year to keep somebody in prison uh, for one person. So on every front, I think uh, this is a, an impressive uh, res- uh, piece of research and it certainly indicates that there's great potential in probation. So look for the positives within those figures. I think the positives are very significant. Um, and, uh, I, and, and I noted as well, uh, Paul, that uh, of those who did reoffend, around 24% reoffended in relation to public order offences. And, and that means there are people, uh, you know, causing a nuisance more than a serious crime at night. And I know that people can be very upset and they can interfere with people's quality of life. But uh, there are mostly non-violent crimes when people are put under uh, supervision. And, and for me, it's certainly, a, 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 you know, a far better utilisation of resources of the state to put people under probation and, and help them to hopefully readjust uh, themselves again and, and, and stop uh, causing the public nuisances that they are and continue to earn a living. So when you put them to prison, uh, they're taken out of circulation. They've become a total liability. And often their families become a total liability on the state as well. So from every front, uh, I, I think it is a, it's a, it's a positive I- indicator. John, prison, is the regime harsh or is it too soft on the offenders? Uh, prison is tough, Paul. Um, you know, especially around COVID and since COVID, uh, people are spending a lot of time locked up. Uh, being locked up and confined in a very close space, 50% of all prisoners in Ireland have to share accommodation. Um, that means that there's two or three people in every cell, uh, and, and many of them are locked up 20 t- hours a day. Uh, so anyone that would think that prison is soft, uh, it's anything but but of course people do get used to it and it's like anything else you get institutionalised and you sort of uh, you don't take any great notice of it but it is damaging mentally and emotionally to people um, but 
certain individual people that have to be in prison because of their behaviour and uh, we have to, uh, you know, protect society as a, as a first priority and that means that some people have to go to prison. But anyone that would think that prison itself is easy, uh, it's not. And, uh, uh, and, and it's very costly and very damaging on the long term. And so it's very difficult people who have a criminal record and a prison record uh, to get jobs afterwards and, and to uh, maybe reach their potential in other ways as well. So prison has, is tough. Uh, it certainly breaks down. I, everyone I met in prison over a period of time, and I'm talking about longer term sentences of four or five years upwards, uh, and everyone I ever met in prison, eventually prison broke them. You you said there um, they be, become institutionalized. I mean, and I know of cases, and I'm sure you have met many and many of them over the years, where this time of year in particular, guys will go out of their way to get locked up. They'll go out and they'll smash windows. They might break into a house because they know they'd rather be off the streets at this time of year and inside having a, 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 a nice uh, slap-up meal during Christmas time. That's the reality, isn't it? That's a reality, Paul, for a small uh, number of people. Uh, I met the same uh, over the years, many individuals who almost spent every winter in prison, uh, by, almost by choice, both men and women. But they were a tiny number in overall terms, and they, they represent a, 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 a section of society, a social misfits and misfortunes that just aren't able to cope themselves and having, having the stability and ability and mental health and addiction and all those things, homelessness all contribute to this. But... Uh, there wouldn't be a significant number overall in the mm-hmm. prison population of around 4,200 at the moment. Uh, but but that's, uh, those individuals are in existence, they're out there in society, and they, uh, many of them do end up in prison. But the, the vast numbers of people in prison are there because they have uh, committed crime and, and sometimes repetitive crime. And that's one of the scourges, really, that once a young person, and mainly boys, by the way, because 97% of the population are men uh, in Ireland, and um, once a young man uh, goes down the road of criminality, there's a, gr- a, gr- a high risk that they will continue to do so for throughout their late teens and into their most of their 20s. And even though the piece of research that you refer to, Paul, uh, looking at probation, it is significant that in the ages of 40 plus, uh, only 14% of men re-offended and 21% of women. So that indicates that as you get older and get more mature, your likelihood to be involved in criminality is also reducing. And that was my experience in prison as well. John, um, briefly there, you know, if a guy comes out and he's after knocking up um, 10, 12 convictions and he's been in and out of prison, we'll say for argument's sake that he goes straight for five years, seven years, 10 years. Should his past be struck out to give him or her a chance after a certain period of time if they've got a clean record whether it be five or ten years you know they want to get a job they want to travel to the states is it time that we um you know wipe the state the, the slate clean as it were yeah certainly there's a, a lot of merit in that in relation to some crimes but i i i, I do hold uh, the the position that in this in the case of serious crime and especially serious assault uh, on individual people, uh, sexual-related offences, child-related offences. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of categories of people that you couldn't justify, uh, e- even over a period of time, uh, removing their records. But for uh, quite a lot of young people, and where the crimes are non-violent and, and uh, not of a very serious nature, I certainly believe uh, that there's a lot of merit in having a system in place where they can be erased. John, but, can, uh, I, can I ask briefly, because we're caught for time, yeah, yeah. how will prison... Um, fare differently to any other day on Christmas morning when um, the, the cell doors are opened? 
Well, Christmas in prison is a very lonely place and a very sad place and a very depressing place. And it pro- I, I guess it, it's very significant on Christmas Day, the day that is very much focusing on family. And that's when prisoners really do miss uh, their children and their, their, uh, their partners and their uh, spouses and, 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 and home life. So prison is, is, is a, a depressing place for, for both staff and prisoners on Christmas Day uh, because everyone likes to be at home at Christmas with your family and enjoying it. Uh, that's the biggest single uh, significant thing about prison on Christmas morning. You, you, you realize that you are not at home and you can't be at home and there's no replacement for home in prison. It just doesn't happen. All right. So, okay. John, if they don't want to end up there, cop themselves on. It's as simple yeah, as that. That's it. All that's right. It. John, thanks, thanks very Paul. much. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Welcome back. This is Cork's 96FM. Uh, Paul Byrne here in for the final hour. And uh, just a couple of calls in relation to teachers taking career breaks. Bill says, I heard it in the news that they will stop uh, career breaks for teachers. Does that mean that we'll have no government because a load of the TDs are teachers? Now, in relation to shopping local, Justin said he worked as a lead singer for the... uh, He worked for lead singer of Smashing Pumpkins. They were on tour in Route 66 many, many years ago. They saw that the likes of Walmart, Amazon meant there were many vacant premises and people moved away. Rotting away buildings from Chicago to Arizona. Main streets were just deserted. Big supermarkets was all that left. So uh, that's what it means there. Uh, Park and Ride, uh, William Healy says any uh, an ideal location on the north side for a park and ride is the left-hand side of the fire brigade station in Ballyvalan. That's the old scrapyard. It could service the north side, Mallow and Glanmire. All the ground is waste ground, just sitting there. J.O.D. on medical uh, medical cannabis. It says, I cannot believe that we're still having this conversation in this day and age. No person should be left in pain and despair when there are solutions available. The availability of cannabis to the general population is a different matter and the discussion for another day. But the pain relieving, it should be legalised immediately, says J.O.D. Now, Christmas is just around the corner and we're getting um, a little appetite and uh, we're looking forward to a little Christmas cake. Uh, Trish, good morning. Good morning, Paul. Thank you for having me. How are you? I am full of festive cheer and ho, ho, ho. (laughs) You're Santa's little helper. I'm Santa's little helper. It is my favourite time. This is where there is no excuse. You can eat your own body weight in anything leading up to Christmas. It's a rule in our house. <laughs> you eat your own body weight. Uh, there wouldn't be enough mix, I'd say, for me anyway. <laughs> Trish, you're for a better known as, of course, uh, Trish from A Touch of Magic. Cakes this time of year, you know, what's the secret? What makes a good Christmas cake? Well, funny enough, you know, the fruit cake seems to be sort of gone. It's sort of, although it's a traditional um, sort of yummy, delicious cake at Christmas, not everyone loves Christmas cake. Well, what everyone does love, and the Irish are mad for it, is Belgian biscuit cake. So what people are tend to do now, instead of your Christmas pudding, they're going for this Belgian chocolate, almost like your rocky road. It's got compressed into a sort of a, a two pound pudding basin. It's left set overnight 
and boom, you've got this beautiful chocolate Belgian biscuit pudding. And then you can then decorate with Smarties or melted white chocolate. And it actually looks like a plum pudding. Kids will dive in. And it's not like your traditional um, sticky, yummy plum pudding that that can be quite rich. Uh, It's really, really popular. And the Irish are mad for it. It's translated well over in the UK as well, because now they're introducing Belgian biscuit. But um, the Irish love their, their chocolate. They absolutely love their sweet treats. And, I mean, are people making them themselves or are people going to the likes of yourself? Because, I mean, they're, they're well, difficult you know to make in general, are they? Well, do you know what? Honestly, I said I was so lucky during lockdown that we were getting kids to do some baking classes online. And it mm-hmm. was absolutely hilarious because I had to do things that were really quick, really simple. So even if people were to look on Facebook, they'll see that there are recipes that are honestly, they're idiot proof. I think if you can read and follow a recipe step by step, you can do these really quick, easy, fast desserts within minutes. It doesn't have to be a rocket scientist to literally get meringues out of a packet. If you're a busy mum like myself, listen, I do the cheats. I grab my homemade custards. I grab them in Dunn stores. I'll grab them in Little Aldi, whatever shop has delicious custards and creams. And I'll just pimp up these fantastic desserts as if I have been slaving in the kitchen for hours. Years ago, I, I just remember when my late mum would uh, make a Christmas cake. Uh, I couldn't eat it around Christmas time, but honestly, we would leave it there. And this might sound strange. I'd love a slice of Christmas cake around June or July. Oh my goodness, absolutely. Or a mince pie. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's almost like a forbidden food in June, July. You can't have Christmas cake. You can't have mince pies. Oh, my goodness. Having a slice of fruit cake and even a little tip as well is that even if it's sort of March or April, slicing a bit of fruit cake and sauteing it in a little bit of butter and brandy on a frying pan is absolutely divine. It's like warm, fruity goodness. And especially in June and July, as I said, it's like a forbidden food. It's an absolute decadent treat. But fruitcake, I think, is just one of those traditional bakes that people seem to forget. But they're, I think they're rekindling, or rekindling their passion for baking, um, particularly kids, because if you start them off small and young and cause the chaos in the kitchen, do you know what? After numerous attempts, they just get better and better and better. And they really will try challenging recipes. You just said they're rekindling their love of baking. I mean, have we really started to um, get out the pots and pans again? Because on TV these days, it's nothing but, and I love them. I think we all love them really secretly, uh, cookery programs. Oh my goodness, absolutely. I mean, I'll binge watch. I just, I love watching food programs. And I think with people in general, it is getting expensive. It's getting expensive because you've got suppliers that obviously have got their energy costs Mm -hmm. have gone up, supplies have gone up. And I think some people as well feel that they don't know how to bake until they start. And then they go, listen, these biscuits or these cookies or this chocolate cake is just as nice, if not nicer from the ones bought in a shop. And they're just having a bash. They're having a play and they're getting... Fabulous results by something uh, starting with a very simple recipe. And if you start with something as simple as a Belgian biscuit cake, you can't really go wrong with Belgian biscuit cake. And you can pour it on ice cream and melt it in the microwave. And it's one of those treats that kids in general go for really fast, quick desserts like meringue nests, chopped strawberries, cream. Make it quick and easy so that kids will do it again and again. Trish, can everybody, is it possible for anyone to bake a cake? 
Oh my goodness, absolutely. Okay, absolutely. Just, no, you, you said yes. No, that, that's grand. I just want to make sure my wife Paul, is listening to that well, answer. I got you to make a cake. No, 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 that's grand. You said anyone can bake a cake. That's grand once my wife is listening to your answer. Yes, yes was the answer. What about in school, Trish? Can I ask you, should we be paying more attention to uh, cookery classes? And I know it's part of the curriculum, but sometimes people say, look, you look teach them to bake a cake rather than learning the, the capital of this and that country or whatever like that. The basics, learn the, the life skills. Absolutely. And you've, you've hit the nail on the head. It's a life skill. I mean, for kids to start off with something as basic as pizza dough and then transforming into their toppings of choice, tomatoes, chopped ham, pineapples, need I mention <laughs> something um, thrown onto a pizza where my kids started so young, they did egg fried rice. They made um, omelettes. I mean, a quesadillas, tortillas, sandwich with ham and cheese. I mean, it's little things that kids will see. The more they do in the kitchen, the more confidence um, they get more confident, rather, in the kitchen and then they'll try something a little bit more extravagant. And then it's somebody's celebration. Then they want to try somebody's um, birthday cake and it just gets bigger and bigger. And I just think it's amazing. You'll see these kids then moving out of school into college and some of them can't even fry an egg. So this is where I think when you do start really young, and I mean in primary school, mm-hmm. where they either have a bit of fun, it could be something once a week and they get to learn something and enjoy it and understand that there are different tastes and different foods and textures and they'll just learn as they go. When did you uh, bake your first Christmas cake? How long ago? Oh my goodness. Well, I mean, my first thing that I ever baked it was scones with my granny. Um, and How it was do you pronounce it actually? Sorry, finger. how do you pronounce it? Oh, I'm a scone. Scone, scone, yeah, scone. Not a scone. No, no they're scone. No. <laughs> they're a different breed of animals no, than those people. <laughs> it's a scone. And do you know what? I actually think my first fruitcake was when I left school. And it was because my, my aunt was an amazing baker. My mum's an amazing baker. My granny, they were all great bakers. And trying to do your own fruitcake, it's very simple. Soaking fruit, doing almost a traditional type of cake and mixing in that fruit. It's the smell of the house. You're like the bisto ad because you can get yeah. this wafts literally coming out of your house. People go, oh my goodness, are you baking your, your fruitcake? Which can take hours. However, I have managed to do a fruitcake because I, I love experimenting in a slow cooker. So the slow cooker, that's, which That's something new really now, isn't bizarre, it really? It is because everybody is doing something to try and cut their energy costs. So the slow cooker, you're talking about uh, about four hours on high for um, a fruitcake, which I thought was hilarious because I never put it into a slow cooker. And even, Paul, you're going to you'll have to try this one. This is using a toasted sandwich maker and you cut out squares of your puff pastry. And this is where you preheat your toasted sandwich maker and you put a dollop of minced meat in each triangle of that um, puff pastry. You put down your little mixer and you put that, or your toaster, and you put it on for maybe about 10, 15 minutes. Keep an eye on it. And you get this waft of minced meat and cooking pastry. They're cooked within minutes, dusting of icing sugar, and they look like apple turnovers, except there's minced meat. And they're very Christmas and festive. They're I'm, lovely. My mouth is drooling here. Absolutely. Toasted drooling. special. Your toasted special is a meat, meat, a minced meat <laughs> a turnover. It, it seems an unusual <laughs> um, recipe, is it? 
Well, you know, you see, the thing is, uh, once I get into the kitchen, I honestly, I'm like a mad scientist. I go, oh, I wonder would that work? Hmm, I wonder could that work with this? Because, I mean, toasted sandwich maker, you put obviously your bread, you're mm-hmm. buttering your bread. And it just so happened that I had puff pastry left over and I had some minced meat. And I said, I wonder if, I mean, there. that's the thing about baking. You need to experiment, get down, <laughs> sticky, messy, cause chaos in the kitchen and then you'll see if something works and then if you see something doesn't work and my husband has a great saying because if something doesn't work or if something isn't particularly tasty he'll say that was lovely hon we'll have that again next year so that's basically not for the books it's no that got nil point we're not going to have that again <laughs> trial and error Paul trial and error yeah and I mean yourself now on, on Christmas day what kind of cake will you serve up cakes Paul. Oh, right, cakes, cakes. <laughs> I am a cake geek, so I will have a dessert trolley, something you'd see in Balamaloo. <laughs> I am a demon. So when somebody says the Christmas dinner, I'll go, yeah, Christmas dinner, that's prep, potatoes, the whole shebang, everything's prepped the night before. But when it comes to dessert, I love profiterole towers, I love meringues, I love roulade, I love chocolate tart. So rather than just doing one, I'll just do a selection <laughs> because each kid, I have four kids and each of them will say, oh, mom, I'd like a chocolate chart. Oh, I, could you do your profiteroles? Any, any chance, mom, you could do the meringue? So rather than just doing the one and have somebody complain, I just do a big table full of groaning with desserts on Christmas Day. And that's what I love. I love to unwind and how I unwind is baking. You must post um, a picture of your trolley on Christmas Day. You must put that up on your website. Oh, I you, please. You know. And who gets to lick I'm the shameless. bowl? In all the, who lick, gets to lick the bowl and the, the cream if you have four kids? Is there war? There's war because I said any cake decorators that are out there will know how frugal people can get when it comes to the expensive ingredients. I scrape that bowl within an inch of its life. There is, you can nearly see your face in it. There's nothing left. You're like a woman who gets blood out of a turnip, so are you? I would get blood out of a turnip, exactly. <laughs> exactly. No, there's no waste, no, nothing at all. All that now, I said, if it was washed into my kids' gobs, it would be literally money down the drain. So no, I scrape every last bit out of it because every, every, every little bit in, inside in a bowl is money. 10 cent, 20 cent. That's how frugal I am when it comes to baking. Fair play to you. Tell me this, you're just mentioning all your cakes and what have you, desserts. What about turkey on Christmas Day? Are you a fan? I love, yes, I do. I know, I literally love my gobble gobble. I love my turkey. Um, I do... I know this is where, where people have obviously different ways of cooking. I do low and slow. I will cover it with this sort of almost like a lattice of streaky bacon covered in butter. I've got the goose fat. I mean, absolutely everything and its mother goes on my Christmas table. But I think it's great because I know that on St. Stephen's Day, I will not cook. I will literally eat, as my kids used to say when they were little, it was secondhand dinners. <laughs> it's the next day. I'd literally have secondhand dinners and it was like toasted cranberry and your turkey sandwiches. You'd have your turkey soup, curry. But I mean, the thing is, once you've actually eaten, the funny thing is, I genuinely find that the next day, it's literally just catching your breath enjoying the moment and just seeing what we're going to have for breakfast could nearly be profiteroles and ice cream <laughs> we just happen to have um, a trip planned for saint stephen's day in and around your area could we call to number 21 we could <laughs> i'll bring my Follow own sand- i'll bring my own toast maker sandwich maker 
<laughs> Bring your own sandwich maker, exactly. You are more than welcome, Paul. The more, the merrier. Very I'll good. have a stream of people outside queuing out with a smell like Bistoed. Excellent. Come here, don't forget to post that photograph now of your uh, tray of desserts and so on and so forth, will you? All right. Absolutely. I'll tag you, Paul. Lovely stuff. <laughs> thank you Trish, so much. Touch of magic. Thank you so much. Have a great Christmas and enjoy your feast and everything like that. And we look forward to seeing you soon. God bless, Trish couple of comments on the subject of baking. Olivia says, can you bake, Paul? Answer is no. And eating Christmas cake in June. Ha ha, she says. Uh, try it sometime, Olivia. Absolutely gorgeous. Secondhand smoke. Morris says, people are so addictive to various drugs, both legal and illegal. There are indeed very serious health hazards for people who come into contact with secondhand smoke or the smoke from the vape. On the uh, topic of prison, we spoke to John Lonergan, former governor at uh, Mount Joy. Uh, John here says, an interesting Interesting bit of trivia that he believes is true. He says, no sitting Minister for Justice has ever spoken to John Lonergan about his ideas for ensuring people do not go to prison or end up going back into prison while John was there. Okay, so uh, that's uh, food for thought. Now, I just want you to imagine, I'm looking out here, it's a beautiful, beautiful fresh morning, uh, sun is shining, but just imagine December 25th, you're lying on the beach, you're there in the swimming pool. You're just bamming out your sun factor. What about a holiday in the sun? Uh, what Would you like to spend Christmas Day in the sun? Well, I know that lots and lots of more people are doing it. And Pat O'Neill is uh, joining us on the line. Good morning, Pat. Good morning, Paul. Uh, Buenos dias. Uh, I'm sorry, I don't speak Italian. What is <laughs> Good morning. Come here. What, what, what's the temperature like where you are at the moment and where are you? I'm actually living in Las Palmas, it's in Gran Canaria mm -hmm. and the Canary Islands and the temperature today is about 24, 25 degrees. Nice. Yeah, yeah, really nice and that's the great thing about the Canaries, you know, it doesn't really go from one extreme to the other, like you don't get really high temperatures here, but this summer we did, but that, that was kind of unusual, you know. What took you to the Canaries all those years ago? And don't say a plane. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, I came over here. I used to do a bit of work online. And I remember saying it to a buddy one day. I said, you know what? If I ever became, if I, won, if I ever won the lotto, I'd actually never see another winter in Ireland, you know. And he actually said it to me. He said, you work online. You can do it, you know. So I came over to Grand Canaria on my own. Um, for about four months during the winter and I just liked it and when I went back I was just kept thinking of it you know so I kind of made the permanent move then after that you know I, I still haven't regretted it you know How many years I ago? miss home at time um, well I say about eight years ago and I was renting for a long time but uh, about one year ago I bought a place here so I, I kind of made it permanent you know there's um, no going back now what were you working at here before you um, packed your bags um, I used to do work for hotels. I used to kind of do a lot of online stuff, mm -hmm. online advertising and all that. And I kind of had a website selling hotel breaks. So that way I used to deal with hotels. So I was, I used to, I used to do that on the phone anyway, back home, you know. Um, when you I was said, here during you, you that week. You said there a while ago that if you ever, want, you said to a friend if you ever won the lottery that you'd move out. But to be quite honest with you, the cost of living overseas is practically nil. You don't really have to win the lottery anymore to, to, to oh, move over. Oh, 
that's what people don't realise. It is so easy to do. And especially if you're a member of the EU, I know it's getting, it's got really difficult for people from the UK now because they can only spend 90 days here, you know. Mm-hmm. But like, it's so easy. You just need to, you just need to rent a place. There's so many Irish people over here this winter that have escaped the winter. Like people who are retired, that's maybe on the state pension. And you can do it, you know. You can rent out your house in Cork for six months and move over here, you know. And you can live off your uh, your state pension. It's so easy to do. People think it's hard. It's not. It's not. And there's so many people doing it. What would an apartment cost a couple every month if they moved over? Uh, no, it has got, like when I arrived here eight years ago, it wasn't long after, remember the big financial meltdown? So it was a lot cheaper than back then. So an apartment here would be, I'd say, about eight hundred euro a month. You know, if you if you rented it long term, you know. Yeah, you're still talking less uh, half, I suppose, really, from what you're paying here. I you're know, paying anything for fifteen hundred a month upwards here, really, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, I keep, I like, I keep, I keep, uh, I keep in contact with home, and I just like see that rents are gone up like eighty percent in ten years or twelve years or something like that. It's crazy. It's gone up here, but not like that. And the and the cost of living. I mean, I know you. If you're living over there for a couple of months and uh, six months of the year, you won't be eating out every night. But you know, your your groceries uh, qu- quite uh, quite reasonable. Yeah, I, I I say I say I spend about maybe forty or fifty euro a week, um, maybe less. I'm like eating out is very cheap. You know, I can eat out for for ten euro. My uh, my electricity bill for my energy here. Uh, is every month and that's about 37 euro you know because I'm not heating or anything like that you know however everything is relative because of the cost of living but people's salaries then are very small aren't they they are and and actually the, I think the Canaries is actually the second poorest region in Spain um, so yeah and like for the local people like you're right everything is relevant you know um, I think the salaries are quite low here um, maybe 1200 euro a month or something like that you know so, like, if you're, if an apartment's costing you 800 so everything is right about you're, you're correct there, you know. Does it make you sad to say that, you know, I know Cork will always be home, but you, you don't foresee yourself coming home, do you? I don't. Um, God, you know, I suppose you can never say never, but, like, I don't have a property or no, I have it here, you know. Like, uh, someone actually said to me recently, he has a house in Dublin, he said, oh, we're very, he said, we're very sim- similar. We, we kind of just like uh, jump ship and I goes, no, we're different. I said, I'm like mutiny on the bounty. I've sunk my ship so I can't go back, you know. So, uh, no, I love it here. I'm like a really happy here, you know. And, I mean, you, you said you purchased a property. What type of property and what kind of money did you pay for it? Um, I, I'm like, it's just myself, so just a one-bedroom place. Like, um, property in the Canaries, especially... Uh, around the popular resort areas are, are definitely going up a lot. You're not not like Ireland. So I got um, I got a one bedroom place right next to the beach. I could have got a, a, a place way cheaper, but um, it's it wasn't that much. You know, it was about a uh, hundred thirty thousand. And what you know? about the criteria then over there? I mean, can can you apply for a mortgage? Do you have to be in employment for a certain period of time? What, what, how do the banks treat you? Are the the brokers um, the case would be? Well, I, I didn't meet, need a, a mortgage, but what I to get a property, right, you needed to have a Spanish bank account. Um, that was it, really. And you register for a thing called ENEA, which is like a, your social security number. You know, I think there was this Polish lady I paid 200 euro and she had it all done in about two or three hours for me, you know. Jeez. So like, and I, actually with that, you know, we actually 
residents here are going to get free travel on the buses from the 1st of January, you know. So there's a lot of benefits come with that. And uh, it actually allows me as well to get 75% discount of any air, uh, like any flights were in the Canary Islands and mainland Spain. So who's getting free bus travel? Uh, residents, like if you have a monthly pass, which you need to, like if you have a residence pass here, like it wouldn't be just for a tourist, you know. So like it's at the moment 50% off, which is 14 euro a month. And I can travel all over the island for that. But they've now made it like free from the 1st of January. Free for residents. If you get a parking right here, unbelievable. unbelievable. Yeah, I'm telling you, yeah, the bus is going to be crazy. That's the only thing. They're crazy at 50% off. So you, I can imagine what you, of course, free. are running the business at canaryislandtrips.com. Okay. And that's, uh, how Canary, making, yeah. that's how you're making a living yeah. at the moment. So, people yeah. are logging Canary on, Island Tips. tips. Sorry, Canary Sorry. Island Tips. I beg your pardon. Canaryislandtips.com. Yeah. So, people are logging onto your website, whether they're going over there for a holiday or whether they're thinking of going over to, um, to live there full stop. Are you busy? Are you making money? Um, a bit, not a huge amount. I'll be honest. You know, I I do a bit of other work for hotels as well. You know, like friends I used to have in the hotel business, online stuff. Um, I I basically have uh, it's it basically I have a website, but it's like if anyone wants to contact me for any information, Twitter, Canary Islands Tips, or Facebook is probably better. You know, mm-hmm. so I make a bit of money off online advertising. You know, when people come onto your website, yeah. I have Google Ads. But uh, it's like I'm not. Be- I'm not going to be rich from it, you know. It buys the bear, and what, the bear is cheap. What will Christmas be like in the Canaries? I mean, are the uh, decorations? So, have you got Christmas trees? Will you have turkey? Are there streets decorated with Christmas lights? Yeah, yeah. It seems to be getting more and more. Um, like for example, uh, it seems to be like the one of the main streets here. Las Palmas is like Cork. It's a city, you know. It's four hundred thousand people in it, so. Around the corner here, one of the main shopping areas, Messi Lopez, they have it's pedestrianised and it's just full of all Christmas shops installed. And there's music there every night, live music since last weekend. So they're getting it in. Yeah, so it, it wouldn't be as crazy as Ireland. I think the, one of the things I didn't like about Christmas back home is that it kind of started in September, you know, kind of just starts around now here, you know. Okay. And I like that. And the atmosphere then, how many, so you've spent a few, no, a number of Christmas days over there now. I mean, are people heading to the beach, going around the pools? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'll be going to the beach on uh, Christmas morning, you know. Yeah, it's like as a tourist there. I, Paul, I have never seen Las Palmas so busy in the last two months with tourists. Like and there's high inflation. It's, they're everywhere. And would those, many of those be Irish? Yeah, yeah, I, I bumped into Irish people, and there's more, a lot more than I would normally see, because they usually would go down south to the resort areas. Our Lanzarote is a favourite island, but like some of them are actually telling me that they're staying away for a month rather than two weeks, and mm-hmm. they're saving a bit on their like electricity bills. So that's that's helping with the cost of the holiday, you know. <laughs> Enjoying themselves, but it's very sad as well that they're going over there to save money, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, uh, because I, as I said, I pay about 35 euro um, a month on electricity because there's no heating, mm-hmm. there's no air conditioning. You, like, okay, air conditioning would be nice sometimes, but you really don't need it, you know. Um, so, yeah, people, I'm like, I know of people, not just Irish, like Scandinavians, Germans, 
um, to have come over here for the winter because they said, like, it's they're, they're saving money on their, their crazy energy bills, you know. Imagine if you're in Norway or Sweden, like, you'll have the heating on for best part of four or five months, you know. Is it strange sitting down on Christmas Day having turkey in the sun? Uh, not anymore. <laughs> not anymore. It would actually be strange uh, the other way. No, it doesn't, like... Uh, like there's a great social scene here. There's a good few Irish. I have a good few Irish friends here and other friends. And one of my friends has invited me over, like his son Galway, and he has about ten family over. So um, no, it's not, not. It would be strange if it was snowing for me at this stage, you know, and it wasn't sunny, you know. So like when it's sunny every day, it doesn't become strange, you know. Very good. What's your one tip yeah. if people were thinking of moving over uh, to to live? It is not as complicated as you think. It's especially over in the EU. Um, my one tip is just take a chance. You know, like uh, rent out your house for six months. Like if you can stay in Cork and come over here, rent out a place cheaper. You'll have excess money. If you're only on the state pension, you can survive here and have a good time. You know, like uh, a lot, lot cheaper than back home. Um, that's my one tip. If you're if you think it's hard, it's not. Okay. It's okay. easier than you think. All right. Yeah. Pat O'Neill, Canary Islands, Canary Islands tips dot com. Uh, yeah. Um, or on Facebook or Twitter is the best way to, to contact me. I'm actually sorry now I didn't call it Canary Islands trips because everyone keeps saying that. So it's actually a better name, I think, you know. Right. So, uh, no, no problem. <laughs> yeah. Pat, thanks for taking the call. Enjoy your Christmas and uh, okay, and, Santa. And, Brilliant. Hi to everyone that knows me in Cork and uh, have a great Christmas. Thank you very okay. much indeed. Thanks, Thanks William, Paul. Pat. Bye. That's uh, Pat O'Neill, CanaryIslandsTips.com. We're staying in the sun and we're going to uh, Lanzarote, Porta del Carmen. Uh, Julian Fair, good morning. Good morning, Paul. How are you? I'm good. And yourself? Very good. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, uh, weather-wise this morning, what are we looking at? Well, it started off beautifully, but it's a bit overcast this morning. We're about still a bit chilly, 20 degrees. <laughs> Not to rub anybody's nose in it. Right. <laughs> you you moved uh, lock, stock and barrel to Lanzarote a number of years ago. How's life faring out for you over there now at the moment? Yes, it's been up and down, Paul, like it has been, you know, anywhere else. You know, it hasn't all gone to plan. Things have worked, things haven't worked. But in general, I'm, I'm glad I, I have done it because, I, I, you know, I got out of Ireland five and a half years ago, nearly six years ago, because of the spiralling costs with living in Ireland. So, you know, if you compare that to five or six years ago now, you know, it has just expensive to be to be in Ireland, you know. And I know you've been uh, working in the uh, pub and uh, hotel and uh, restaurant trade for the last number of years. But this year, of all years, you'll be cooking chips on Christmas Day. Explain. Well, I, it might be Christmas Day. I'm closing Christmas Day, but oh, I'm right. opening a chipper here. Yeah, I'm opening an Irish chipper here. Um, it's going to be called Nelly's Kitchen. It'll be in the old town. It's part of, beside Nelly's Bar. Right. Um, so we're doing an Irish an Irish chipper, which isn't being done out here. There's one or two English ones, but I'm going to be really catering for the Irish side of it. Um, so I've taken a lot of kind of dishes from me growing up, I suppose, around KC's and Dino's and that and incorporating some of their bits and pieces into the menus out here. And what are you going to do? Like, what, what's your burger going to be like? What, 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 how different will it be from the, the English uh, chipper up the road? I'll be doing fresh burgers, whereas they're doing frozen burgers here mainly. I'll be doing mine. We'll be, we'll be making the mince every day and 
and cooking it from from that from scratch. Everything will be freshly made. Is what my philosophy on food is um, to make it as fresh as possible. A lot more prep work, but you know, I think it makes a difference out here. How big a gamble is this, uh, Julian? Opening a chipper. Um, I suppose everything is a gamble, but I see a market there first, and. As I said, it's not been done anywhere else. And Port Carmen is the busiest resort in Lanzarote and is very, very busy at the moment, which, you know, is surprising compared to other years pre-COVID. Um, the numbers here are very big. This is traditionally a very quiet time here. And it hasn't gone, you know, it has quietened down, but it's busier than I've ever seen it in the six years I've been here at this time of the year. So why do you think that is? Christmas, Again, listening to what Pat said, it's, it's, it's the similarities of what, what Pat said a while ago that you were talking to. The same thing, people are staying out here longer. Um, traditionally, at this time of the year, this is the time of year we love when it's cooler because it's been very, very hot. We've hit 43 degrees in the summer this year a good couple of times, which was, you know, which is something that we don't always get here, but we've no wind or anything to cool us down. So this is a beautiful time of the year. So, it, you know, it makes sense for people and they're staying that bit longer. Um, as Pat was saying, they're staying, instead of the two weeks, they're staying there a month or six weeks. And I think in general, I think there's going to be a lot more people staying here for Christmas this year. Um, when, when are you opening your chipper? Hopefully, I will be opening in about 10 days' time is the plan, if all goes goes right. We're, we're still kind of fitting out bits of kitchen and what have you at the moment. Um, but the plan is about 10 days' time. So we'll be open for Christmas, but not open on Christmas Day and taking Christmas Day off this year. <laughs> and, I mean, <laughs> be- I know the restaurants open there, like, more, you know, they're open 15, 16, 17 hours a day. I mean, is this what you're going to have to do with the chipper over there? I mean, are you going to open from lunchtime on to late in the, yeah. in the night? No, we'll start it off, really, it'll be open kind of 5 until kind of 11, 12 o'clock at night. Um, we'll be looking at a kind of a new dynamic in, in the new year of doing something during the day, but not straight away. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we'll, we'll stick to just what we know and, and get the business up and running first. We'll be trying out a lot of dishes and, you know, seeing what works, what doesn't work and, and what have you. So we, we'll keep it simple to get open the doors open before Christmas. All right. So for anybody heading to heading to Lanzarote to Porto del Carmen, into the old town, look for Julian Fair, look for the chippers, smell the burgers, follow the waft the the the, the, the smell of the burgers and the chips, and it's Nelly's, is that right? Nelly's Kitchen, yeah. We'll be doing the old potato pies from Dino's. I've been looking them up and uh, we'll be doing a couple of things from Casey's menu and various things, but it'll be all very fresh food, you know. Very good. We'd be delighted to see anybody that comes over, let them know and call in to me. Good stuff. Julian, thank you very much indeed. Happy Christmas to you and yours over in Lanzarote. Paul, thanks very much. Talk to you soon. See you soon. All right, we're back to uh, Panto giveaway. And remember, as I said, this year's Panto at the Everyman is the classic tale Cinderella with a modern twist. Cinderella is open now and running until the 15th of January. Today, the Everyman and Isaacs on McCurtain Street have teamed up to give two lucky families a great festive day out. Each family will enjoy a pre-show meal for four at Isaacs, then cross the road, dodge the traffic in to see Cinderella on Thursday, the 29th of December at 7 o'clock. See Everyman cork.com for more details have a listen to this piece of audio something to do with Cinderella and we'll take callers 9 and 10 to win those prizes have a listen again 
If you think you know what it is, callers 9 and 10, please, and we'll put you on air shortly. A uh, very, very quick uh, shout out to Peggy and Crowley, Deirdre, uh, Kerry, and all the gang at Ground Wellbeing, Claire Mackey as well, at Ground Wellbeing, a new premises on the uh, uh, in Model Farm Road, Ground Bean. Uh, congratulations and best of luck to Peggy with the venture. Course 96 FM, this is Paul Byrne in until midday, and uh, line five, Lorraine McGee, good morning. Good morning, how are you? I'm good, and yourself? Good, thanks, good. Have you people to take to the panto in the Everyman? I sure do. We have a seven-year-old daughter and a four-year-old son. Ah, oh, brilliant. You know what? They're going to love it. I'll tell you why. I was in there last Friday ahead of, uh, where they were doing uh, rehearsals, Catherine Mahan Buckley and uh, the whole cast and crew. I saw the show from top to bottom at the rehearsals you're in for a treat. Cinderella oh, is something special. And you know what? You won't see me, but you might hear me in the show this oh. year. Okay, so okay. Ha- have a listen. Lorraine, can you tell us what you heard, the, the, the mystery sound, as it were? The fairy godmother talking to um, Cinderella. Very good. Do you know what she said? Uh, you shall go to the ball. Thanks, because I hadn't a clue what she said, to be honest <laughs> with you. Listen, Christmas is just around the corner. How will you spend it? Oh, we'll stay at home this year, nice and quiet, just ourselves and visit family afterwards. Santa Claus is important this year. Very good. All right. Bed early Christmas Eve for uh, the kids? Absolutely. Absolutely. Lovely and stuff. for mom and dad too, by the sounds of things, we'll be up early, I'd say. Yeah. What time were you up last year? Oh, I don't know. About six, I'd say. I think we were up at four one year. Okay. I'm still I'm still recovering from it. Absolutely. Unbelievable. Listen, have a wonderful Christmas and enjoy Cinderella at the Everman. You're in for something really special, Arlene. That's great. Thanks a million. God bless. Uh, line four, Lydia. Hello? Lydia, Lydia, how are you? I'm very good. I'm great now. Very good. Why are you in good form? Oh, I'm thrilled. I've been trying now for the last... Uh, week the girls keep getting me to to ring in to try and win so they'll be thrilled now when they come back from school nobody said you won yet did they <laughs> i'm hoping don't let me down now oh go on tell me what was the sound it was the fairy godmother very good indeed and tell me about santa in your house who's uh, who's he going to visit how many have you and um, i have two i have two girls i've kriya she's nine and i've reva she's seven lovely stuff and yeah. santi's going to be busy yeah, well, I'm wrapping away there now, all mommy and daddy's presents, so I hope Santa will be good to them now as well. Very good. And um, yeah. what about yourself, Christmas Day, turkey-wise? Are you a fan of the, 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 the bird? I am indeed, yeah. Now, we do get the uh, the kind of the pre, pre-cooked one. Um, so, yeah, easy as. Very good. All right. Listen, enjoy Cinderella at the Everman. You're really going to have it in regards to the girls. And uh, thanks for taking the call. And uh, happy Christmas to all at Ard Manning Avenue in Toker. Thank you so much. Brilliant. Thanks a million. Bye.